0: Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham. As you know, it's a privilege to be here with you today. In this episode, we will begin with the topic entitled, Does a Nemesis Make You Better? Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message, which is our happy note for the day. If you have any ideas... We would like to hear them. Please send them to our email at admin at live, laugh, That's admin at live, laugh, In addition, if you're listening on Spotify, you can add a voice memo as well as comments. And please feel free to participate in our poll. Also, wherever it is that you listen to the podcast, please follow us so that you're notified of the new episodes when they're released. The topic that we will begin with is entitled Does a Nemesis Make You Better? Superman versus General Zod, Batman versus the Joker, Ohio State versus Michigan, Kanye West versus everybody. What do all of these have in common? It is being a person or organization, or even a superhero, versus a nemesis. What is a nemesis? Well, a nemesis is a long standing rival or arc enemy. Do you have a nemesis? Having a nemesis or a rival can often push you to improve and strive for success. The competitive nature of such a relationship can drive you to work harder and achieve more in order to outperform or surpass your nemesis. However, it's essential to maintain a healthy balance and not let this rivalry become detrimental to your well-being or ethical values. The concept of a nemesis or rival can be motivation in various aspects of life, such as sports, academics, or professional endeavors. The desire to prove oneself or outdo a rival can lead to increased effort, determination, and laser focus. This competition can spur personal growth and development as you continually seek ways to improve and surpass your nemesis. However, again, it's crucial to approach the rivalry constructively and not let it turn into a negative obsession. Healthy competition can drive improvement, but it should be tempered with sportsmanship, respect, and ethical conduct. Ultimately, whether a nemesis makes you better or not depends on how you use that rivalry to your advantage and whether it motivates you positively or negatively. Some points that we may want to consider when we think about having a nemesis is that we can actually learn from our adversaries. Your nemesis may have strengths or skills that you lack. Observing and learning from them can help you identify areas for self-improvement. They can be a source of inspiration to develop new skills and knowledge. A nemesis can also hold you accountable for your goals and progress. When you know someone is working to outperform you, it can keep you focused and prevent complacency. Facing competition and setbacks from a nemesis can build resilience. It teaches you how to handle challenges, failures, pressure, which can be valuable life skills. They can also serve as a benchmark for your goals, giving you a clear target to aim for, making it easier to track your progress and achievements. And you know what else rivalries can do? They can sometimes lead to strong networks and communities of like-minded individuals who share similar goals and interests. However, we got to stay balanced. Again, a warning, to have a balanced perspective. While healthy competition can be motivating, obsessively focusing on your nemesis to the exclusion of other aspects of your life can be detrimental. It's essential to strike a balance between healthy competition and overall personal well-being. I remember working for a gentleman who actually owned his own business, and he started from nothing, but he viewed everybody in the, compu- in the community as a nemesis. Now, this was healthy in one way, because he outworked everybody. As he would say, I might not be the smartest. But I'm definitely the hardest working. And that was true. But where he failed is that he worked so hard that he had no time for his family. This man was married and divorced eight times. He had no family life whatsoever, got along with no one. Because he was laser focused on everybody that was around him that he viewed as a nemesis. And he had to outwork them. That's not healthy at all. That is even not what we're talking about. We're talking about allowing a healthy rivalry to motivate you. To help you to grow. To help you maintain focus. You see, competing with a nemesis can encourage us to think outside the box and find innovative solutions to problems. This drive to stay ahead can lead to creative breakthroughs. Your nemesis' performance can be a source of feedback. Analyzing their strengths and weaknesses can help you assess your own abilities and make necessary adjustments to excel. And when you have a rival, it can help you stay on track and remain committed to your goals. The desire to prove yourself can minimize distractions and keep you dedicated to your objectives. Now, how you handle rivalry and competition can also shape your character. It can teach you about sportsmanship, humility, and victory. And graciousness in defeat. And don't we see this in sports? Sometimes we see the athlete that wins. Oh, they're the first one in front of the camera after the the game. But then if they lose, they don't even want to shake hands with anybody. They just walk off the field. They're not gracious in defeat. They're not even humble in victory. We don't want to be that way. We want to use a rivalry to elevate us, to make us better people. It could even be a long-term motivation. Yes, the rivalry with a nemesis can be a source of motivation over time, helping you to sustain your enthusiasm and commitment to your aspirations. I know that once I lost a rival. I actually appreciated this person because they helped me to stay focused because we were friends but we also were competitors. And then when he was gone, unfortunately out of out of our lives, he lost his life. It just wasn't the same. I lost my goals. I looked to him to compete with him. I enjoyed our Friday morning conversations when he would tell me how many cars he sold, what he did, this and that. I I still miss those conversations. But having a nemesis can indeed make you better in many ways. It's just crucial to ensure that the rivalry remains constructive, ethical, and doesn't negatively impact your well-being. It should be a source of motivation and growth rather than excessive stress or unhealthy obsession. As you reach milestones and achieve success in your rivalry with a a nemesis, you can set new, higher goals for yourself. Now, this continuous cycle of improvement can lead to long-term personal growth. Rivalries often involve high-pressure situations. Learning to perform well under pressure is a valuable skill that can benefit you in various aspects of life. You know, we can have those ones, like I mentioned, that could become friends or valuable professional connections over time. The shared experiences and mutual respect can develop from a competitive relationship that leads to enduring relationships. We need to overcome limiting our beliefs. What that means is we don't want to limit our beliefs and what we can achieve. By constantly pushing our boundaries, we may discover that we're capable of much more than we initially thought. Achieving success against a nemesis can be particularly rewarding. It's an opportunity to celebrate your hard work and dedication, boosting your self-esteem. Yet, it's still important to emphasize that the impact of a nemesis on your personal growth can vary widely depending on the individuals involved and the context of the rival. What's most important is to maintain healthy and constructive approaches to competition, ensuring that it remains a positive force in your life. And if we lose because that happens, rivalries also teach us How to handle losses with grace and resilience. Learning from failures and using them as stepping stones toward improvement is a valuable life skill. Competition often requires efficient time management and productivity. The pressure to stay ahead of a nemesis can help you become more organized and focused. And while a nemesis may initially be the external motivator, the desire to outperform them can evolve into intrinsic motivation. This internal drive can have a lasting impact on our personal growth. Rivalries can be dynamic, and your nemesis may evolve or change over time as well. So we have to learn to adapt to different challenges and competitors to enhance our adaptability and problem-solving skills. Lastly, Succeeding against a nemesis can be an opportunity to practice both success and humility. Acknowledging your achievements while remaining humble is a valuable quality. In conclusion, the presence of a nemesis can be a powerful catalyst for personal growth and improvement. It challenges us to become the best version of ourselves both professionally and personally, and can result in a fulfilling journey of self-discovery and development. However, maintaining a healthy, ethical, and balanced approach is crucial to ensure that the rivalry remains a positive force in your life. So when we go back and we look at that question again, does a nemesis make you better, if balanced, and if we take it on positively, the answer to that question every time is yes. Give me your tired, your poor. Your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That is the inscription on the Statue of Liberty. Why do we even mention this? Well, because there have been border control issues in the United States for some time, and it continues to escalate. You may ask, how many border encounters occur each year? Well, between October 2019 and June 2023, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Office reported that almost 7.7 million border encounters occur across the U.S. every year. Monthly encounters peaked at over 300,000 people in December 2022. Now, that's a large number of folks. Yet, border control issues in the U.S., have become complex and often a contentious topic. Some of the key issues and challenges include such things as immigration policy, where the U.S. faces challenges related to immigration policy, including questions of legal and illegal immigration, pathways to citizenship, and the treatment of undocumented immigrants. Maintaining border security while respecting human rights and international laws, is a delicate balance as well. Issues often arise regarding the use of physical barriers, surveillance technology, and law enforcement presence at the border. Addressing the rights and needs of asylum seekers is a critical issue as the U.S. receives people fleeing violence, persecution, or humanitarian crises. Processing asylum claims while ensuring national security is a complex task as well. The U.S. faces challenges related to the deportation of undocumented immigrants and the conditions in immigration detention centers, including the issues of overcrowding, safety, and medical care. Border control issues also encompass humanitarian challenges, such as the treatment of unaccompanied minors, families, particularly during the processing of immigration cases. Immigration has significant economic implications, as immigrant labor plays a role in various industries, balancing economic benefits with security concerns is a recurring issue. And these issues are often politically divisive in this country, with differing opinions on how to address these challenges. Political polarization can hinder effective policymaking. And there are concerns related to the effectiveness and cost of border security technology and infrastructure, as well as their Environmental impact. The border region is a, a focal point for drug trafficking and other criminal activities. Controlling these issues requires coordination between various law enforcement agencies. So, addressing border control issues requires a comprehensive and multifaceted approach that considers the economic, humanitarian, and security aspects of immigration. It also necessitates cooperation with neighboring countries and international organizations to manage migration flows effectively and address root causes. Public discourse, policymaking, play a crucial role in shaping the direction of border control policies for the country. The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA, program has been a significant issue, providing temporary relief for undocumented immigrants who arrived in the U.S. as children. The program's future and the legal status of DREAMers remain contentious topics. Border regions are susceptible to human trafficking as well, including sex trafficking and forced labor. Addressing these issues requires cooperation between law enforcement agencies and support for victims. The U.S. legal immigration system faces significant backlogs, which can lead to delays in processing visas, applications, and family reunification. This issue is often intertwined with discussions on border control. The construction of physical barriers and infrastructure at the border can have environmental impacts such as habitat disruption and damage to ecosystems. Balancing environmental conservation with border security is also a challenge. Different states and localities may implement their own immigration policies, leading to variations in enforcement and access to services, which can create disparities and conflicts. The U.S.-Mexico border, for instance, is a major route for drug trafficking. Controlling drug flows is a central aspect of border control, with implications for national security and public health. Border control issues often affect U.S. relations with neighboring countries, particularly Mexico. Cooperation in trade, security, and immigration is crucial for regional stability. Deportations can have economic consequences, particularly in industries heavily reliant on immigration labor, such as agriculture and hospitality. Yes, the complexity of border control issues requires a nuanced and well-informed approach that takes into account not only security concerns, but also humanitarian and economic considerations. Achieving effective policies and comprehensive immigration reform often involves addressing these multifaceted challenges and finding common ground in the political and public discourse. You see, it's, it's just not as simple as going up and say, well, we're just going to go out here and we're just going to stop everybody from coming over. We're going to wipe off that inscription that's on the Statue of Liberty as mentioned. It's just not that easy. There are even legal challenges. Border control policies, including actions like travel bans, family separations, have faced legal challenges, highlighting the importance of adhering to domestic and international law. Continual investments in border infrastructure and technology, such as surveillance drones, advanced sensors, and border patrol equipment, are integral to the effectiveness of border control efforts. The U.S. is experiencing demographic shifts with a growing immigrant population. Adapting border control policies to align with these demographic changes is a continuous challenge. The border region can be a focal point for public health issues such as disease transmission. Thus, effective border control measures must also consider health safeguards as demonstrated during the COVID-19 pandemic. And the U.S. often engages in bilateral agreements with countries in the Western Hemisphere to address migration and border control challenges. These agreements impact the flow of people and trade across these borders. Adequate funding and resources for border control agencies, such as Customs and Border Protection, the sea, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, are essential for effective enforcement. Yet the U.S. faces humanitarian crises at the border from time to time, including surges in immigration flows. Preparing for and addressing these crises require careful planning and coordination. Discussions about border control often intersect with debates about immigration reform and creating pathways to legal status or citizenship for undocumented immigrants. Finding consensus on these pathways still remains a challenge. And these issues will continue to evolve as the U.S. grapples with the complex aspects of immigration and national security. Effective solutions is going to require collaboration, comprehensive policies, and ongoing adaptation of changing circumstances. Public dialogue and political decision-making will continue to play a crucial role in shaping the direction of these U.S. border control policies. And a few more points to consider that border control agencies have to be prepared to manage various types of crises including natural disasters, mass migrations, public health emergencies, and to do so in a way that balances humanitarian concerns with security. Because we never want to be that country and never have been that country to say, if there's a crisis somewhere, you just stay over there. No. We bring the people right in. We literally police the world. And aid in helping the world. The use of data analytics and advanced technology is becoming increasingly important as well for tracking and managing border activities, identifying trends and making informed decisions. Effective control often involves sharing intelligence and collaborating with law enforcement agencies at the federal, state and local levels, which requires efficient information exchange and coordination. While addressing border control issues often necessitates cooperation with neighboring countries, international organizations, and addressing root causes of migration, such as economic instability and violence in source countries, that is a challenge that just has no end. And going back to public perception, well, the public perception and the media coverage can significantly influence the perception of border control issues, making it important for governments to engage with the public and provide accurate information. Policymakers and researchers are continually exploring innovative solutions to these challenges, such as alternative approaches to detention, streamlined immigration processing, and more efficient asylum systems. Ensuring respect for human rights, including the rights of migrants and asylum seekers, remains a paramount concern, and violations can lead to international scrutiny and diplomatic challenges. The United States faces an array of complex and interrelated border control issues. Again, if we're going to address them effectively, This requires a combination of legal, diplomatic, humanitarian, and technological approaches. It's also going to take ongoing dialogues, comprehensive policies, international cooperation, for all of this to manage these components, continue and effectively. But when we get to the the topic of seven point seven million people coming into the country, into a country that's already suffering with the needs of those who aren't citizens. The question remains, how do we get here? Writing a story as a hobby can be a rewarding and creative endeavor. Whether you're writing for your own enjoyment or to share your work with others, there could be a lot of storytelling to do and could be a joyous hobby. First thing you wanna do is choose your genre. Decide on the genre or style of writing that interests you the most, whether it's science fiction, fantasy, mystery, romance, or any other genre, pick one that excites your imagination. If you're not convinced about the the need for rhyming, create a story in prose. It doesn't have to be the Lord of the Rings or anything like that. We can start small and describe one episode of your life. Then set realistic goals. Yes, establish achievable writing goals, such as a specific word count per day or week. Consistency is the key to making progress in your story. Create compelling characters. Yes, develop well-rounded characters with distinct personalities, backgrounds, and motivations. Readers connect with characters who feel real and relatable, maybe you can start with yourself as we mentioned earlier. Craft an immersive and unique setting for your story as well. Whether it's a fictional word, a historical period or a contemporary location, make it come alive through vivid descriptions. Outline the main plot points and story structure. While some writers prefer to outline extensively, Others like to let the story evolve as they write. So find the method that works for you. And you know, make sure that you dedicate time to your story. And write regularly, even if it's just a few minutes a day, because consistency will help you make progress. And I can tell you that from just a podcast. I'm writing every day. Do the same if you're writing a story. And just don't worry about perfection in your first draft. After finishing your story, take time. Take time to edit. Take time to revise. You may even need a multiple set of drafts to refine your work. Then, seek feedback. Yes, share your story with others, whether it's friends, writing groups, or online communities. Constructive feedback can help you to improve. Reading books in your chosen genre and others can provide inspiration and help you develop your writing style. Remember that writing is a creative outlet. So just like every other hobby, we want to make sure that we make it fun. We enjoy the journey. If it starts to feel like a chore, we'll take a break and come back to it later. But the key is to come back. Sometimes we take permanent breaks. Come back, write that story. And if you're interested in sharing your work with a wider audience, we'll explore publishing options such as self publishing, traditional publishing, or online platforms. Yes, writing as a hobby can be a fulfilling and imaginative way to express yourself. It allows you to explore your creativity, share your unique perspective, and create captivating stories that can entertain and inspire others. Our sunflower message will this time be a personal story. I met an individual named Yolanda by happenstance. As many of you know, I volunteer in the public school system as it gives me a sense of accomplishment and joy. But well, I had a mandatory training session and that is where I met Yolanda. She has since become a listener of the podcast, a subscriber, a financial supporter of the show, and most importantly, a friend. As she's gone through and listened to many of the now 65 shows, she's commented online. And she's also sent show ideas as well as constructive criticism. As you know, we love that. But this is what brought Joe we had a hobby special interest segment on raising pets, as well as one on jigsaw puzzles. I sent her a picture of my three angels, my fur babies, one day just to show her their absolute cuteness and their stroller. So a few weeks later, which was yesterday, she surprised me with a gift. She had a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle made of the picture of my baby. It is absolutely beautiful, and I can't wait to put it together and have it framed. Now, what is this show? Well, to me, it shows that I have a friend. We've talked about that subject many times on this show. Friendship, how to make friends, how to sustain friends. But in this case, I have a friend who listens to me, and that's rare. One who supports my endeavors, like the podcast, and that's even rarer. And one that loves what is my love language as well, which is giving and receiving gifts. I want to say thank you to it, Yolanda. Also, I think the, the sunflower message should be uplifting, whether that's a song, a poem, or what have you. Also, they should be inspirational stories, and this is one. Thanks again. On Cash App at dollar sign Live, Laugh, Talk on Twitter at Live, Laugh, Talker, And on your podcast platform, you can donate to support our podcast. Just like Yolanda, she became a subscriber online. She hit that button on the podcast and decided to donate monthly. And you can do that. You can donate a dollar. You can donate $5. You can donate $10. Just donate because it helps the podcast to grow as there's so many expenses that come about. Also, remember to rate us a five or even hire whatever your podcast platform says, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues about us. We need it. And go on to Etsy. Search for How Did We Get Here? For merchandise. So much out there now. We've got ties, socks, tumblers, two sets of caps, or hats, I should say. Two different types. One with leather in the front of it, which is really beautiful. We have hoodies, T-shirts. It's just growing and growing. It's growing, and we have to thank Sparkle and Andrew who created that. But when you go into Etsy, you can search How Did We Get Here? You can also search Live, Laugh, Talk, as well as search James Graham, and all of these things will appear. This is James and George's baby boy signing off. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.